Awesome, guys. So let's just open in prayer, all right? Father Yahweh, Lord, I just thank you, God. We just come before you today, Lord. I, Lord, Lord, we just praise you and you, we honor your name and we lift it up high and we thank you for what you've done yesterday, Father. We thank you and we praise you for every healing that happened yesterday, God. And Lord, we just say it today, Lord, do it again, Father. Come again, Lord. Come with your spirit through all of us today, Lord. I pray for an outpouring of your spirit today over all these people, God. Lord, I thank you, God, for every disease and sickness that's going to leave this place, Lord. Father, by the end of this day, Father, I thank you for nothing of that left anymore, Lord. I thank you for cleansing of your body, Father. Lord, I pray, Father, that you would come and speak today to your people, Lord, that you would equip them, Father, in the fullness of the walk of Messiah, Father. Lord, I thank you for boldness, God, and uh, 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 thank you for just crushing our unbelief, Father, and to, to just create this incredible faith within us, Father, to walk in the fullness of you, Lord. Pray this in the name of Yeshua, Messiah. Amen. All right. Right, so yesterday we talked about uh, kind of reigniting truth and, and, uh, and I laid, we, we laid a foundation and Zach also delivered quite a few awesome messages in, in connection with that of laying that great foundation of truth um, in the Torah. And today I'm going to be focusing even a lot more on what we ended off yesterday with in terms of walking in the spirit and how do we practically walk this thing out in our daily walk. Because we, we don't want to just keep this in a place like this or keep it in a church or keep it in a fellowship. We want it there, but we also want it in, in our daily walk wherever we go every single day, like I kind of mentioned yesterday. And so what I really want to establish today, uh, firstly, is, is our identity in, this, in the spirit. We can under, if we understand our identity as Israel and the truth and the Torah, then we have an incredible foundation. We are building it on the rock and we can now, we're now properly equipped to deliver the truth that comes after the witness of the spirit. So the spirit comes and witnesses to the world, the fruit and that we are his people. And then we have the truth and the great foundation with that where we can now say, oh, well, now that you have seen this fruit, this is where it comes from. Because the tr as we've mentioned, the truth empowers the spirit, the spirit empowers the truth. They're in unity, they're not separated. But if you separate them and you try and walk in one or the other and one without the other, you end up with a half-baked walk that looks half like the walk of our Messiah. And we don't want that. We want the fullness of that. And that's where the Father is taking us in these days. And it's really an incredible thing because we're already coming back to the, the early church. For 2,000, a little under 2,000 years, we have been divorced from that worship of spirit and truth, that fullness fullness of that walk of Messiah. But it is an incredibly exciting thing because now for the first time I'm, I'm, I'm professing to you guys that this is what the Father is doing, that He is restoring this, this, this walk in us. And really all that the Father needs, as I've mentioned, is, is that heart, that falling on our face, falling on our knees physically and saying, Lord, we want this and asking Him to come and do this within us. And then He will be trustworthy to come and do it. Right, so I, I mentioned quickly yesterday about the spirit and the carnal mind and kind of we, how we need to kind of really start separating to, to the two. And where this really comes from in Genesis 1, we read um, in, in creation, uh, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds, the heavens, the livestock and over all the earth. And over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So he says, I'm going to make man in my image. And then he, the next thing he says is he's connecting this, this thing with dominion. In other words, authority. 
And he goes on and he says, I'm giving them authority over the whole world. But now what we see is that uh, uh, Satan came into the garden, sold Adam and Eve the lie. This counterfeit identity where he says, I will make you like God. But it's, I mean, God already declared over them, I'm, I'm making you in my image. But now Satan came and said, oh, well, you know what? I'm going to give you something better, a counterfeit. I'm going to make you like God. And then he made this attractive identity. He didn't attack their morality. He attacked their identity, who they were. Because if, if he gets you to think you're someone who you're not or you, he's got you. He, he's got you in that place where you're going to be useless for the kingdom of God. It's like being a king and not understanding your kingship, as I mentioned uh, yesterday. And so really the, the, the identity that was sold to us in the garden is this carnality that we that we have this this flesh this this constant battle between the spirit of the flesh that we walk in and it's and really what that includes is he as we mentioned just read in in, uh, in genesis where he god connects this dominion with our identity when we grasp that counter for our identity that satan sold us we literally grasping onto something that doesn't have that dominion anymore. So we literally, lo we're losing that, we're lo there's a, a lot of things that come with that counterfeit identity, but one of it is that we lose, we're stripped of our authority. We lose that authority that, um, that God has designed and, and wants us to walk in. And so this is what we need to understand. Luke 17, verse 20 to 21, and when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God come not with observation, Neither shall they say, lo here, lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. All right. And that's really what, 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 what this is about. We have this fullness, this, this kingdom of God within us. So I want to ask you a question. If you, let's, let's make a, 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 a contrast right now. Let's say you're, you're someone, you, you don't understand your identity. You walk into a grocery store, you check out, you walk out. Okay. Um, but let's, let's turn around. Let's say you're someone who do, and you do understand your identity. You understand, you believe what Luke says in Luke 17 verse 20, that the kingdom of God lives in you. The same Holy Spirit that dwells, dwelled within Yeshua lives in me. The fullness of that, not a little bit of God. Holy Spirit is not a mini version of God. It's the fullness of God lives in you. The kingdom of God comes and lives in you. Now, if you walk with that understanding into that grocery store, Something needs to change when you walk out of there. You, something needs to be different. You need to walk in there differently than the guy who walked in there and who doesn't understand who he is. That means that, man, you can walk into that place with confidence. It means you can walk in there and be like, you know what? The fullness of the kingdom is in me, within me. That means that I can simply walk up to this guy who's got a broken leg or whatever is wrong, this hurting woman, whatever the case is, no matter what it is. And I can literally just say, you know what? Let me help you. I know someone who can help you. You can take their hand and just be like, hold on. And you've got this confidence in who you are. And not because of a prayer, not because of anything, not because of some formula, but because of who I am and understanding and that confidence of who I am, I'm going to simply touch and this is going to happen. And see, that is what happens with the, happened with the, we read in, in, in the book of Acts with the disciples, where we see, saw that the people brought the sick and just so that the shadows of the disciples, the apostles might touch them and they might be healed. 
So there was, no, there was not even a prayer involved in that whole thing. Now, how did that happen? You see, the, the, the disciples were so um, secured in that identity of who they were in the Spirit, and they could just walk by and, and, and just know, man, this is going to happen. And you know, later when you, you, what, what starts happening is it's even something that starts happening subconsciously where you, you don't even know about a sick person, but you walk into the room and they get healed. Things like that truly happened with Yeshua and with his disciples. And I want to submit to you that that is something that God wants to do in our lives. But, it, but, but the, the, the thing it's gonna lead, this is going to lean on is do you really believe and understand this verse right here? Are you really going to believe and walk into that place with that confidence of this is who I am, a son of the living God. God wants to do this through me and it's not about me. You see, if you think that it's about you and that, oh, how good you were this week is going to depend on him moving through you you're never going to see him move because we're all we've all we're all fall short of the glory of god every day in different ways but see if you understand that he dwells within you not because of what you've done but because of who you are you see because you are a son of god now it's different because now it's not dependent on what you do anymore and so that's the difference between work, working towards him, working towards acceptance, and work, working from acceptance. Understanding because he accepts and loves me, now, and because of all that, now we can walk this thing out and, the, and, and our, our works is the evidence of what God is doing in and through us. And this applies, of course, in keeping the commandments, but it also applies just as much in this whole thing. Right. Ephesians 4.22, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires of this world, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And so he's, Ephesians, Paul's just speaking about this, this restoration of this identity, I mean, uh, and after the likeness of God, which he, that was the original creation, that was the original plan of the Father. And he says, you need to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. It's interesting. You know, um, I want you guys to not think of an elephant, right? <laughs> Stop thinking of an elephant. You know, you, you can't unlearn. Your mind, you can't unlearn in that way. If I tell you to not do something, you're going to do it. But see, what the Father does, he, gives you, he makes you a new creation. And really, that's what baptism is. Literally, we, talk, we touched on that a little bit. But... He really, baptism has been given to us as, as the tool, because, I mean, we, we've got this issue. I mean, well, you know, if you come and you come to Revelation, knowledge of Messiah, you want to follow him, but your, I mean, your mind is polluted with your life, what you've been doing and everything. But you see, God gave us baptism as a manner and a form, and it's not just a symbolic, oh, pretty uh, inauguration into a church. It's the supernatural power of God that sets you free and makes you a new creation and can, that enables you to walk as you walk. It is what God has given us for that purpose. It's not just a little pretty picture. It's, and if you think it's just a pretty picture, that's all it's going to be. But I'm telling you that that's not what Messiah and the disciples thought it was. For them, it was when that guy got baptized and hit the water, it is the death of that old man. And when, they, and when they were raised out of the water, it's the raising of Christ unto a new creation. That means that all things pass away. And now it's not about, I'm going to try and not think of an elephant. Now it's like, I've never thought of an elephant ever. That's what happens. It's that new mind and creation that he gives you. And yeah, 
Of course. After you get baptized, I'm not saying you're going to be a perfect man and you're never ever going to, you're, you're, there's going to be those moments where your carnal mind is still going to try and come back. We see this a lot when, what happened right after Yeshua was um, baptized, went into the wilderness and was, he was tempted. We see this, and I'm telling you, like most of, many of you who have been baptized may have the same kind of story. Right after I got baptized, the, spur, um, the enemy came and he tried to attack me. He tried to make me get, look back at the, in that rear view mirror at my old life. A lot of people even fall away and, you know, after they've got baptized. Because that's what the enemy really tries to do, get you back. Um, all right, so we really need to, to, to kind of understand that, hey, it's fine. Uh, uh, I can identify that when... The important thing is to identify when the carnal mind, okay, this is not God now. If I get a doubt, if I get a, a fear that is not a fear of God, any other fear, if I get anything like that, I need to identify it right there and be like, this is not of God. Thank you, Father, this is not who I am. You see, thank you, Father, this is not who I am. And from that place, it's like, you know, we, we, the thought may be there, we can identify it there, but we just push it aside. So I want to just talk about the spiritual gifts with you guys, kind of in, in a broad sense, and um, and, uh, and and kind of really the 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 goal of them and and how we really can get them and and pursue them and and, and all that. It's you know I, I mentioned yesterday a little bit about my journey where you know I never just as a by the way I was never in a charismatic church in my life. I've never been part of one. I was. This was the most weird thing for me, even two years back, two, three years back. Um, I had no idea what to think of it, how to pursue it, you know. But I want to submit to you that the Father is our teacher. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. And there's, there's, there's instruction around it in the scriptures, but there's not a step one, two, three on how to heal someone, step one, two, three, how to pray in tongues or anything like that. Because the Father wants us to learn and pursue through doing. Shema, hear, listen, and obey. And so through doing, through going and putting yourself out there on the spot, the Holy Spirit will enable you and He will walk you out. Oh, and it's, it's, not, it's always, not always going to be easy. In the beginning, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna tremble and you're gonna, we're going to talk about that a little bit now. But, you know, but it's really that place where the Father is like, hey, how much do you want this? You know, a lot of people, when they start, I'm just going to go back to praying for healing for a second, because I know a lot of you guys have been asking. You know, a lot of people, when they, when they start praying for healing, they don't, let's say the first time ever you go and you step out and you're like, okay, I'm, and you do, you do it and nothing happens, you know. And a lot of people then they're like, oh, well, I guess that's not my gift and they walk away and all right, well, you know, that's it. And, and it's really a, a very common thing we see. But I want to submit to you, what if the father wanted to see what would you do if it didn't happen the first time? What are you going to do with that? Why do you want this? Because what you do with it is going to give him, show the, re, the, the reason. If you're, why are you praying for healing? Why are you seeking a spiritual gift? Okay. Some of the questions we're going to be looking at and answering. All right. So... James 4 verse 2, you do not have because you do not ask. We, we, we don't ask because we're afraid to ask sometimes. <laughs> we're afraid where that might lead. You know, well, what is God going to put us out on the spot? <laughs> you know, I want to submit to you that like, this is really something that we need to be asking about. This is really what the Father wants. He wants us to start saying, Lord, 
why am I not seeing this? And it's as simple as that. Matthew 7 verse 11. If you then being wicked know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more is your father who is in heaven um, give, willing to give what is good to those who ask him? You know, if you go and you, I mean, if you ask your earthly father for bread, he's not going to, or even your earthly father for bread, he's not going to give you a stone. Same with our father. How much more? Will he give us the fullness of life and these things? The, the Holy Spirit, we need to get this, guys. God wants to do this more than we want it. He wants to heal people more than we want it. He wants to speak in tongues through you more than you want it. He wants to interpret tongues. He wants to, etc. To discern spirits through you more than you want it. We sometimes think that, oh, you know, it's no. God wants this so much more than we want it. Right, so the two purposes of the spiritual gift is, number one, to be a witness to the lost, and number two, edification to the body. I just want to go and speak about these two, 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 two purposes for a second. Um, all right, so the trembling Pharisee of Pharisees, and of course, we're talking about Paul here, and, and we read in 1 Corinthians 2, And when I came to you, brothers, I did not come with excellence of speech or wisdom, proclaiming to you the witness of God, for I resolved not to know any matter among you except Yeshua the Messiah and him appalled. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man with them, but with the demonstration of the spirit and the power. And guys, this is crazy. Paul is he's a pretty mature guy. And he's saying, I'm coming to you guys in much fear and trembling. So that means that, hey, if I'm a little bit afraid to pray for my colleague at work, it's okay. Because <laughs> Paul had fear and trembling. You see, he wasn't delivered. I mean, he had it still in, in moments. And, and so that me, the, the question isn't, are you going to have fear? The question is, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to allow it to stop you? Paul could have been in so much fear and trembling that he's just like, oh, Father, uh, I can't do this. Goodbye. But no, he understood this very thing. It's not about me. It's not about my excellence of speech. It's not about my wisdom. He was a pretty wise guy. If you know his, if you've read, if you've read your New Testament, but even him, he recognized that if he was to lean on his own understanding and wisdom of a man, that he would have never, he would never be able to do what God has called him to do. And so, he had fear and trembling, but because he leaned on, on his trust and of, of that the Spirit will be the one that's going to show up and do this thing, because of that, he was able to come in boldness even while in fear, and proclaim the gospel. And so, fear is not an excuse, right? Fear is something you may have, and, and in the beginning, it's a ter it can be quite hectic. The as I mentioned yesterday, the very first time I ever wanted to pray for someone, I was so afraid, I was, I was trembling so much. You know, but when, once you just take that first step, the Father is trustworthy to come through, and speak through you and to minister to these people. But you need to take that first step. All right. And so I just want to also touch, since we're talking to the witnessing to the lost and all this, I want to just touch on this identity without repentance. So there's a lot of people out there who, in the, especially in the charismatic, well, not even Christian movements, who, who talk a lot about what I'm talking about today, but there's one thing that's really a lack of in, the, in their teaching. 
And you'll even see this if you watch YouTube videos or anything like that, where they'll preach the gospel, or well, someone will get healed, you know, and they'll, they'll say, oh, you know, Yeshua loves you so much, and then they leave. And there's no, there, that whole message of what Yeshua had at the way end of, after the, he showed them the kindness and the love and the mercy and the grace, what he said, he said afterwards is, okay, well, great, now go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. And he, and he said, you know, lest something worse happens to you, in fact. It's a hard word. And it's not an easy word to say after someone got healed. Sometimes everyone is, you know, it's such a joyous thing that happened. And it's so, oh, wow, you know, praise God. And we're so excited. And then we forget about this thing. Because if we don't preach this and we leave, and they think, oh, you know, God, God accepts me. God loves me, even though I sleep with my boyfriend. That's what happens. That's what people would think. And they continue back and go back in that sin lifestyle. And guess what happens, guys? This happens just about 100% of the time, is that disease that they had, whatever it was, comes back worse. Because the thing that, because they, there was no repentance. And, I mean, so many diseases and things come upon us because of sin, bitterness, etc., and so people like a sinner who doesn't know the father, he's got a disease. Let's just make a good example. Um, let's say someone's got uh, a lung cancer. We come to, this happened once, lung cancer, come to him, pray for the guy. He gets healed, but he's been smoking his whole life, 50 years, whatever. And, and I'm like, okay, guys, you, you got healed. Praise God, glory to God. No, stop smoking. And he's like, yeah, no, uh, you know, I don't know about that. Well, yeah, I'll try it happens. It happens, guys, so much. And what's going to happen? That guy will probably die from lung cancer. I know that's a hard word. And it breaks my heart, man. But that's what happens. And see, but we need to be preaching that message. Telling them, well, you know, you got healed. Glory to God. Praise God. But now, with a, on a very, very serious note, you need to repent. And not tomorrow. Right now, you repent. Okay. So um, just, just before we, we head on there, you know, um, so in terms of a witness to the lost, I just want to make a, a quick example of, of how, how this can be walked out um, in, in our daily walk, you know, it, like how to approach people. I know the, the, it's, a, it's a huge deal on how we come to someone. If you go up to a stranger, which I do recommend you do, Okay, let me, let, me, let, me, let me say it like this. I challenge you guys, okay? If you want to walk in what I'm talking about today, this is how you do it. You make a commitment to yourself. And you say, every single day for the next month, I'm going to pray for a stranger. That's a hard one. Every single day, not a family, friend, not a friend, a stranger, someone who doesn't know you, someone who you... You walk into a grocery store and you find there or wherever, you're even a colleague, whatever, anyone, you walk up to someone and you pray for one person, like just one. It's going to be, it may be hard the first, the first day, the second day it may still be a little bit hard, the third day it can be like, hey, can I, you know, can I pray for you? And it's going to be so, it's going to become such an easy thing because guys, you know, we, we've got this false sense of, People are going to think we're, you know how even atheists, people who don't believe, who don't believe in our Messiah, they see it as an incredibly show and display of kindness if we ask, can we pray for you? 
Why? Because everyone knows, no matter what they believe, no matter who they are, they know that if, if we want to pray for someone, it's an act of love and kindness that, we, that we're showing for them. And so we don't need to really be afraid. You know, I've, been, I've prayed for a lot of people. I can think of one or two out of so many where, I, where someone was like, was, was, was kind of, you know, obviously got hurt by God or whatever, and they didn't want anything. And they were just like, no, 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 no. You know, get away from me. Once or twice out of probably, I don't know how many hundreds of people, you know, and that's all God. But see, we need to, that whole, we, we, we don't need to be afraid of approaching people. And someone says, hey, you know, uncomfortable, man, it's okay. It's like, oh, okay, great, that's fine. And you go on with your day, you know. No harm done, you know. Um, so how, how do we approach someone like that? Um, you know, it's really, I think, approach someone like, like, like a human, <laughs> approach someone like a person. I know that sounds, but it's, it's the truth. Don't, don't be like weird, <laughs> you know, don't be all, don't just be like, hey, you know, how are you doing today? You know, how, and, and they'll be like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm okay, you know, oh, just okay. Man, I, uh, you know, and you know what I do a lot of times is I'll ask the father just before I ask that, just the father quickly, just, hey, father, what, what's going on? And I'm not going to wait for him to just tell me a burning, give me a burning bush moment. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to just ask him just to press into him for a second. It takes one second. Ask the person, hey, how are you doing? Whatever. And then, and then if they don't drop a hint, I'll just go on, on a limb and I'll just be like, oh, you know, how is your, how is your family doing? And if it's a stranger, even, I know that's on, some people would think that's a very personal question. It doesn't matter. It's a question of caring. It's a question of love. How are you doing? Truly, how are you doing? Not, oh yeah, I'm going good. That's what we all say. How are you truly doing? Anyway, and so approaching people and, you know, there's, there's no set way to do this. The, the, the key is just be a human and just be friendly and smile. When you when you go up to people, all right. Cool. So um, I'm, I'm going to speak touching on that a bit more uh, in a second. Um, so in terms of edification of the body, that's the second uh, purpose of the spiritual gifts, of course. So in a place like this, where God will will minister, we will use His body to minister to each other, uh, to bring uh, words of knowledge, wisdom, healing edification in all kinds of manners. And one of the greatest things that, guys, I, I want to submit to you that this changes everything in our fellowships. You know, um, when we start our fellowship, we, we really are, we've brought the spiritual gifts in. We're trying to bring it in like full force. We're trying to grow each other in them. We're, we're really pursuing it alongside our reading of the Torah. And in it, we have seen a demonstration and lo of love and in a, in a can I say a, 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 a bubble of love <laughs> that's been, that comes within each person that comes through this? Because if you pray for someone, if you start exercising these things, guess what? You become a channel of love. A lot of you might be asking, how do I love? I struggle to love. This is why you struggle, because you don't do it. It's about stepping out and being like, I'm going to do it no matter how I feel right now. I don't feel like I love this guy. doesn't matter. If you step out, you pray for him. Guess what? 
The Holy Spirit's going to channel through you. God is doing this through you. That love is going to get poured right into you in that moment. And you're going to have the love to give this guy. And guess what? When you walk away, you know, and this was what happened to me. Throughout my journey in this, I've walked away more changed than the people I've been ministering to. It changes us forever. And it changes our fellowships forever because of it. You'll be, and you know that love that Yeshua talked about where he said, they will know you by the love that you have for one another. This is how. It's not just by a reading of scripture, but it's about making commitment in our fellowships to say, look at, that, look at those spiritual gifts and say, okay, how are we going to start exercising it? And then start praying about that thing, taking it seriously and implementing, implement a time into your fellowships where you pray one-on-one -on -one for each other. Not just, in, not just a, a prayer request and, and praying for, for everyone, but also going, um, and preferably every single fellowship, going and saying, hey, the guy on your right, pray for him. Let, and then get prayer requests and pray for each other. If there's healing, something that's needed, if there's someone who's going through a hard time in their life, whatever, pray. And, and exercise your gifts in that manner. All right. And that changes, that will change your fellowship forever. Just one last thing that it does is quarrels in our fellowships, fights, division becomes a thing of the past. Yeah, you're going to still have now, people now and then coming in and going out. But the people who are in your fellowship, the people who are there for the right reason, they, there will not be division any no longer because there is an incredible demonstration of love in that place every single time you come together. All right. Cool. So the, as I've mentioned, uh, empower, it empowers love and unity in, the, in individuals and, in, and therefore in the body and in our fellowships. So I want you guys to have a look at this list. And I want you to, so this is in 1 Corinthians 14, where Paul lists the spiritual gifts. And I want you to look at it even right now and ask the Father, which ones do you want me to walk out next? Next. Because not only, but next. Because I want to submit to you that the disciples, they didn't, it wasn't like, okay, this is the healing guy. And this, well, yeah, you know, we're all going to have strength and all that. But there's, if, if, there is, if, if you're in a fellowship and there's no one with a gift of healing, who's, is everyone just going to stand back and be like, oh, well, I, guess, I don't have the gift, sorry. No. If, someone, if, if, there is a, if there is a need for interpretation of tongues, what are we going to do about Are we going to now just, oh, there's no one? No. So what, what are the gifts? You know, a lot of people think, oh, I don't have the gift. The, the thing that we need to understand is, and I mentioned this quickly yesterday, but see the gifts as, our, as a strength, right? See that as a, thing that the, a gift that the Father has given you as part of your calling um, to empower you to walk out your calling. But you should not, do not limit the Holy Spirit to that. Because if you do, that's all that you are going to see less fruit. But if you go and you're like, you know what? It's not about that. It's not about me as an individual and what gift I have. It's about the spirit, the fullness of the kingdom of God that lives inside of me. And that comes to, that, that, that brings with him all of these. And I want to submit to you even more. That may not even be listed here. And... And so, you know, I want you to really go and, and ask the Father, right, as I said, Lord, which ones do you want? Pick one. Go to him and say, oh, Lord, show me. You know, um, I, I've, 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 I've 
obviously healing was the first thing that I kind of encountered, as I mentioned in the last talk. You know, since then, I mean, I've, there's, there's multiple of these gifts which, I, which I've sought and that the Father has used me in. Maybe not as frequently as some of the others, but it's really something we can all see work in our life. And the Father wants to use this in our fellowships and out, outside with the strangers even. Sorry, just as one example of, um, for example, a word of wisdom works really well with the gift of healing. Just as an example, if, if someone is hurting and they're not telling you, God puts in, drops in a spirit of word of wisdom, it's, oh, it's a marriage or whatever issue. And you tell them, tell me about your marriage. And it's a spirit that gave you that, sorry, word of knowledge, not word of wisdom, word of knowledge. And, and see now immediately it's like, oh, you know, or hey, what's wrong with your leg? They're, they may not even be walking weird. Or, what's wrong with your stomach? But they've got stomach pain. And then, and you see, so if you, you can really start incorporating these things and Yeshua walked in all of them, all of them. And he said, walk as I walk. Okay. And he said, you will do the things that I did and greater things as well. I want to submit to you that as Zach has been talking about the greater Exodus and, and all these things, I think really that the father is wants to equip us with these things because he wants to really use these things in that time, in that time. He's going to want to use, I mean, he's going to, he wants to use us to battle against with the power of the Holy Spirit. Cool. So I just want to talk a little bit about healing the sick more specifically for a second. Um, and, and, and not, but I don't want you to just get focused now and, and, and think, okay, we're just going to be speaking about healing the sick. Cause a lot of these things we're going to be talking about now is really about a few of the gifts and you can apply to a lot of them. The will of the father is one of the big things that we need to establish. Secondly, our authority, you can touch on that a bit more because those things are connected. The will of the father is incredibly important to understand because if I don't know what the will of the father is, how will I walk it out? I don't know if it's the will of the Father to heal someone or not, how will I minister healing properly? Okay. Because if I think, let's say it's, it's, it is the will of the Father, but, but I think it's not, I already lost. I, I mean, there's, there's going to be no fruit because I'm not walking in communion and in line with His will. And, and I won't be able to minister in that way. So this is how, when I, came, when I was in the Christian, uh, still in, in a previous church I was in, this is kind of, well, in many churches, this is how it goes. Um, this is how we pray. Lord, if it's your will, thank you for healing her. Um, I was in a, in, a, in a group once, uh, two years back or so, and there was a lady, she was in a church, she was sick, and the, the elders of the church came together to pray over this lady. And praise God, it was amazing that they did that. Uh, the way that they were praying was in this way. Father, Lord, if it's your will, God, pray you would heal this, this lady. Okay. There was no fruit, unfortunately. And I want to submit to you that this prayer yields no fruit. And it's not about the words. Oh, I'm going to discuss now how it's not about our prayer. It's not about the words at all. It's not about a formula. It's about the heart behind it. Let's see what, what, let's look at some examples. Luke 18, verse 42. And Yeshua said to him, receive your sight. Your belief has saved you. Father, if it's your will, please give him his sight back. Demon, if, if you want to go, can you please leave? 
it's, it's, it's very much the same thing. The way we cast our demons and pray for the sick is the same kind of thing, because demons, and I mean, they inflicted many, in many cases anyway. Um, right, so let's look at a few more. Acts 3, verse 4. And Peter, with John, looking steadfastly at him, said, Look at us. And he gave heed to them, expecting to receive whatever from them. But Peter said, I do not have silver or gold, but what I do possess, this I give you. In the name of Yeshua, the Messiah of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You see how they're praying? It's an authority. Rise up and walk. It's an, it's an it's a instruction, a commandment that they're saying. Rise up and walk. Receive your sight. Be made whole. We're not asking. Why? Because they know that it's the Father's will to do this. If they were doubting whether it's the Father's will for this guy to rise up and walk, it wouldn't have happened. He wouldn't even have spoken in this manner. He knew it was the Father's will to do this. So another one. Mark 9, verse 24. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I command you, I charge you, come out of him and enter no more into him. Okay. So if it's your will, heal her or sickness, I command you right now, get out. Pain, get out. Receive your sight. Be restored. Be healed. Small difference in what we say. But it's all about what's going on here. And so we just happen to connect in our English language belief to a certain way of saying things. You know, if it's your will, that's such unbelief. It's ridiculous. I'm sorry. The Father wants us to start operating in this place of commanding things to happen, taking up that, that dominion that I spoke about in, we spoke about in Genesis that was given in the creation. And he wants us to start exercising dominion over all, across all creation. Few more examples just to drive this in. Matthew 9, verse 22. And Jesus turned and saw her. Take courage, daughter. He said, Your faith has healed you. And the woman was cured in that very hour. Jesus told the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Jesus said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. What is the similarity here? Has. It's already happened. So he says, I mean, I want to submit to you, this is how it usually goes practically. If someone, if you, if, if, if someone is, if this is proclaimed over someone, in that moment it's being proclaimed over them, they still have the pain. And when they look for it, it's not there anymore. When you, after you sit, hey, you've been healed. In the moment of saying it, that second, they usually still have the issue. But when they look for it, it's gone. You see, and, and that's, really one of the great keys of it all. These three words, taste it out. That is more important than anything else. That's more, you don't even need to say anything. If you just walk up to someone and you've got that, you're so confident in who you are, and you're like, hey, you got pain? Look for it. I've done it. It's happened. There was once, I want to, I want to show, make an example for you guys. There were once in a mall, and we, um, we've, we all know about the security guards we have in our malls and in the parking. And uh, we were out in the mall. We were kind of, we were praying for people, and it was amazing. And, and we were getting our car ready to leave. 
And this car guard came and he's dragging his leg, really kind of walking crippled. And he's far off, he's about that distance. And, um, and uh, I'm like, and, and, and I had three other people with me and I wanted to demonstrate this thing for them. And, and I just said, hey, just hold, stop there for a second. And you stop right there and he's like, yeah, it's funny. But, um, and, I, and I pointed at him. I didn't say a word. So just stay there for a second. Just pointed. Didn't say a word. I didn't think a thing. Okay? Clear mind. Nothing. I'm like, just five, six, seven seconds. Okay, man. Test out your leg. He was made whole. Healed. He walked up and down. He couldn't believe it. It was incredible. That was all God. Glory to him. And see, that's, that's the point that I want to make. Is It's not about a formula. It's not about... Spraying like, like, what exactly do I need to say? It's about where are you praying from? Where is this coming from? What is, are you established in that understanding of who you are? Where you can simply point and know and just understand and be like, Father, thank you, you're going to do this right now. Because I know it's not me. He's going to do it. But so I simply die to myself in that moment. You see, this is it, guys. You die to yourself. You, you, don't, you die to what others, what other to people, what they're going to think of you. And you lay yourself down right there, your reputation that's so precious. And you, you, you point and you put yourself on the line. You take a risk for the Father. Be a fool for the Father. <laughs> you know? And, you know, when you do that, man, he is so trustworthy. And that is where he comes through. That is where he does it. And we see that across the miracles of Moses and, and, and throughout, throughout our entire Bible where, where God tells Moses to, to take a staff, go into the presence of, of heathen and, and do weird, you know, let the, I mean, Moses had to, I mean, just ima- I just can't imagine, you know, he had to believe like the father is going to do this, take a risk. What if, I, what if I do it and nothing happens? What if it doesn't turn into a snake? You know? <laughs> But see, your actions speak so much louder than, than anything else. And, and so faith is, as I quickly mentioned again, I want to say it again, faith is, is not a feeling, it's an action. You can feel like you, you know, a lot of times people coming to Yeshua, I feel like I've got unbelief. You know? And it's a feeling, and I want to submit to you, it's the enemy that comes with that thing, that all identity comes and tries and pushes on you again, and he tries to make you feel like you don't have the faith or belief for this thing. You know, um, 95% of the times that I pray for people, I have that feeling of unbelief in me. That, that feeling of doubt. Just push it aside and thank you, Father. And it's the action, that action of pushing it aside is what does it. That is what faith is. Faith is not a feeling. Okay, it is an action. Cool. So faith that empowers the workings of the Spirit is developed by walking out truth. And this is, as I mentioned, this is the game changer. If you walk out truth, if you have been, for example, keeping the Sabbath day or keeping any of the commandments of the Father, each of those, every commandment of the Father, especially the Sabbath, is given to us to build our faith in Him because we see, for example, on the Sabbath, that Father is more than able to provide enough manna on the six days for the seventh in our lives. And because of that, 
we see, we've seen him come through and we are built up in our faith. And if you've been keeping the Sabbath for a few years now, you're probably sitting here with an incredible amount of faith and belief and trust in the Father. You only now need to apply that to the workings of the Spirit. And when you do that, man, it's going to change everything. I'm telling you, my personal journey, and this is all the Father and His grace, I just want to demonstrate it, is, is um, I had a lot of Christian friends when this whole thing happened to me, that, that whole testimony I talked about yesterday, when, I, when this happened to me, this, this filling of the spur, or whatever you want to call it, um, I had a lot of Christian friends who were already kind of starting to walk in these things. But when I just, when it happened, my, it blew up in my life. And I was, I was exalted above them because they weren't keeping the truth in the manner I've been for a few years. Okay, and this is not about me, it's all glory to God. But I just want to demonstrate, encourage you that this is really what the Father wants to use to, to, to witness the truth to people. Okay, cool. But there's a fine line, okay. Uh, Paul talks in, in Galatians, This only I wish to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the Torah or by hearing of belief? Okay, no. You do not receive the Spirit by what you do. Because if that was the case, oh, none of us would have the Spirit. If that was the case, I would, have, I would never see, be able to see Him work through me. But by our belief in Messiah, that is the promise. Of, that's where the promise of the Holy Spirit comes from. Okay. So just an important thing to, to also put out there. All right. So you'll, you'll see a lot of people who don't, for example, keep the commandments like they should. But they're walking in the true Holy Spirit as well. They're walking in healing. You'll see fruit in their lives in terms of that. Maybe not in the, to the degree of where they would have had it if they, were keeping, if they were keeping the commandments. But there is some fruit. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in a second. Okay. So this is really important in terms of all the gifts. Why do we pray? Okay. What, what is the reason for it? What is the primary reason we pray for healing? So I can see a miracle, so I can see them healed. That sounds like a good reason. I mean, yeah, sure. And it's not, there's nothing wrong with that. So I can be seen. Okay. So I can be used powerfully by God. So I, so I, so I. Yeah. Or because God has commanded me to. You see, if you do this thing for the wrong reason, if you do it to be, to be exalted amongst men, if you do it to, um, to, because you just want to see someone healed and you want to see a result, or so you can be used powerfully by God or whatever, you're doing it for the wrong reason and you're doing it for the sake of results and you're going to die by results. You're going to fail by results. If you live by results, you're going to fall by results. Results are like this, trust me. But God is like this. He's stable and solid. And if you base, do this for because he just told you to, and that's all, results won't shake or affect you. In the beginning when I started, this was something that I fell into, actually, to be honest with you guys. I, I wanted to really see the big miracles. And it's something that most people, I think, fall into. Um, and I, and I, of course, my initial, I did it because I, I saw it in the Word and I wanted to, and I wanted to do it because this, I saw it as an instruction. But then I started running after these results. 
And I saw that God was gracious with me, crazy gracious, gracious guys. I mean, and it's, it's kind of a, abnormal. And I think he, he did this, what I'm about to tell you, just so I can tell you the story. Okay, this is an abnormal case. So don't use this and apply this to yourself. I saw 100% results in terms of healing for the first month of walking in it since that testimony. Okay, 100%. Every single person I prayed for, I got so healed. It was crazy. But, you know, I started seeking... I started, I, started, I started seeking them this thing for the wrong reason because if, you know, sooner or later you can easily start thinking that everyone will get healed. You, you know, you, everyone will get healed who I pray for. It's a, and it's a really a place of pride that you can so easily fall into. And then one day I came to a guy who was paralyzed and, uh, he, um, and, I, and I prayed for him and, and nothing happened. And I was like, oops, you know, that's, that's quite crazy, you know. And God humbled me in, a, in, a, in an incredible, very gracious manner. And, and he really came in and brought this thing down to me that, you know, if you're going to be doing this thing to see a miracle, because I, I was doing it for the right reasons, though. I was doing it because I wanted to exalt his kingdom. That was still my primary reason. But I had another backline secondary thing still kind of where it was about getting the bigger miracles. Okay. And so I want to submit to you that, man, forget about the result. Forget about it. We simply do this because why? why let me let me say it like this, guys. If you if God's been convicting you to st- to change your diet, or if God's been convicting you to keep the Sabbath, whatever, why why are you going to keep the Sabbath? Are you going to do it for for what reason? Because God told you to, or for some other reason? Of course, because He told you to. And so, for some reason, when it comes to spiritual gifts, a lot of times we start yearning off path with that thing. And we, we, we don't, we forget that we should, the primary reason remains because God told us to. So now get this, guys. If, so, if I pray now for someone and they don't get healed, I did my thing. I was obedient to the instruction. I am, I have not, there is nothing that I did wrong. I am free. Like I am, I am, I am accepted before my father anyway I'm, there's nothing but you see so it's not dependent on my result to be accepted by God or because we can fall into that place and think that oh what am I doing wrong Lord you know oh, you know no you know I want to submit to you that a lot of times we see that people like I mentioned they don't see heal- they don't see they, they want the gift but they don't see it happen the, the, the supernatural work happen yet for months sometimes because the Father wants to see what are you going to do with that. Okay. And if you truly want this, because, and you're doing this because He told you to, and only because of that primarily, then you will, you will keep going no matter what you see. And you will see the incredible fruit that comes. It's going to be like a flash flood that comes. One day, it's going to be like a flash flood. And it's going to change everything. And you're going to start, you're going to see an explosion of results. Because you've not been chasing after results. You've been chasing after Him. And if you chase after Him, He is the miracle worker. He is the result giver. And if you have Him, then that's it. But if you chase after results, you're chasing after something else. It's not Him anymore. Okay. So what are you chasing after? Okay. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race indeed all run, but one receives the prize, run in such a way as to obtain it? Who do we run after? Yeshua. Okay. The prize is not a result. Yet again. Okay. And so we run after Him. 
in a way that we might receive first place. We run in that state fast manner. Okay, so I want to talk about squandering the gifts as well, and, and this is a this is a bit more of a, a hard word, I guess, um, where um, we we are really we really need. There is an incredible responsibility for everyone who is sitting here to run after this thing. If we do not, if we do not, we will not reach. It is. Let me tell you, it is impossible to reach the fullness of your calling and potential that God has placed on your life if you do not earnestly seek the workings of Spirit within your life. You cannot do this without the Spirit. You cannot, and, and working and incorporating the gifts of the Spirit in your calling, which way they were made to help you in your calling, is what is going to enable you to invest in what He has given you, to, 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 to have something to show when He comes back. We all know this story, Matthew 25, verse 14 to 19. For it is like a man going from home who called his own servants and delivered his possessions to them. And to one he gave five talents, and another two, and another one. To each according to his own ability and went from home. And he who had received the five talents went and worked with them and made another five talents. In the same way, he who had two also, he gained two more. But he who had received the one went away and dug it in the ground. He buried it and hid the silver of his master. And after a long time, the master of those servants came, um, came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Master, you delivered me five talents. See, I have gained five more talents besides them. And his master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy, faithful servant. You are trustworthy over a little. I shall set over you much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I need you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to him who possesses ten talents. For, for to everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. And that place will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I submit to you that weeping and gnashing of teeth is because he squandered the gift and he was in regret of it. And so what was the reason for that one who received the one but squandered it? He was afraid. He was afraid. See, and it's interesting, just by the way, he says, Master, I need to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. It's interesting. Master gathers where he did not scatter seed. It means he's going to be gathering seeds in places where people, I think, where people are not going to expect it to be. There's going to be yielding of fruit where people aren't going to be expecting it to be, and there's going to be fruit in that place. And so, the, really, the thing that we need to get from all this is, you have been given talents. You need to go look at that list in Corinthians. Ask the Father, Lord, what have you given me? And maybe not even exclusive to that list, of course. Um, and, 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 and invest that. And I'm telling you guys, I can testify of my own life, that if you invest it, the Father will give you more to invest, and more to invest, and more to invest. And even if you were only given one in the beginning, you're going to end up with so much more 
than the guy who had ten but squandered it all. And you will truly hear good work from the Father. Okay. And so just one last thing on this. Uh, I mentioned it. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Fear, an ungodly fear. And this fear was not a fear of God. It was a fear of people, maybe, and as well as a fear of disappointing God. And it's actually in a place of unbelief where you don't believe that, that the Father is the one who's going to do this, that you can't, you can't disappoint him if he's the one doing it. So really, that's why we really need to step on this thing of what we call fear, guys. All right. Cool. Exciting topic. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. I want to talk about this because this is um, incredibly important, I think, especially for, um, for, 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 for people coming into truth, coming into Torah. Uh, we all know about what is happening in a lot of our Christian denominations and churches where we see the, a, a Kundalini Spirit, a false Holy Spirit working. I'm going to be talking about that after this a bit more. And, and, and in that, we are quick sometimes to call out what is a, because there is a false Holy Spirit at work, okay? What is a false Holy Spirit and what is the Holy Spirit? We're sometimes a little bit too quick to do that. And I want to give you guys a word of warning today about this. I'm going to look at this, this teaching quickly. Matthew 12, verse 14, this is where Yeshua talked about this with the Pharisees. But the Pharisees heard it and they said, this one does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. We all know the story, right? And then Yeshua came and answered, and he said, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. He shall then, um, how shall, sorry, how shall then his kingdom stand? But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come unto you. Satan cannot cast out Satan. It is impossible. Satan cannot do it. He will not do it. All right. So now, guys, listen. If, 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 if there is a Christian or any kind of church that does not keep the commandments of God, that teaches weird stuff even, yet... He casts out a demon. It's the Holy Spirit. You cannot cast out a demon by anything else except the Holy Spirit. And this is incredibly important because the Pharisees did not believe what I'm saying now and what Yeshua was teaching. They thought that a demon can act like it's casting out a different demon or a demon can cast out a different demon. No, demons do not do that. Look what Yeshua said. Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whoever speak a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him, but whoever speak against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. He says this right after the, 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 the situation of the casting out of demons. Okay, so we see the Pharisees, he's casting out demons. The Pharisees do not agree with his doctrine. And because of that, they accuse him of doing it by a demon. Then he says, you know what, guys? This is not, a demon cannot cast out a demon, but I'm doing this by the Spirit of God because it's the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, that cannot can cast out demons. And then he says, 
I'm telling you that if you blaspheme against the Spirit of God, you will not be forgiven. He goes as far as to say that you can blaspheme against the Son, you can be forgiven. Holy Ghost, no. Holy Spirit, no. Ruach HaKadosh, if you blaspheme Him, you won't be forgiven. This is a very serious word that we need, to, we, need to, we need to understand before we even start talking about false spirits in the church, which we will address right now. But we need to understand that these, this, is a, this is a very serious case, and we need to be slow to speak and not judge by appearance. The disciples were slow to speak and did not judge by appearance. We, we have a case where, I don't think I have it in here, but a case where the, the, the disciples saw this other man doing all these things by the name of Yeshua, but they did not know him. And, Yeshua, and, and, and they said, Yeshua, what do we do about this guy? And Yeshua said, you know, if, if he is for us, he's not against us. Right? So they, they saw this is a bit, we're not sure about this guy. But they, they, and they, they wanted to kind of judge by appearance. But Yeshua, he says, don't judge by appearance. Judge with righteous judgment. Okay, and we're going to be talking about that a little bit now in a second. Deuteronomy 13 test. You guys know this. If there arises among you a prophet or dreamer of dreams, they're given thee a sign of a wonder, and the sign of the wonder comes to pass, whereof he spake unto you, saying, Let us go after other gods which you have not known, and let us serve them. Thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet or that hearer, that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is proving you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. And it's interesting. So we see that this. This, um, this, uh, this is a sign that does come to pass, yet he, sp he speaks and he teaches on other gods. And then, of course, we know that is a test. But he, it says, it's interesting, he says, the Lord is the one tasting. The Lord is the one tasting. So these people, they're doing, they're teaching things that are not in relation with the Father, but they're doing signs, wonders, and miracles. And... Of course, we don't follow them, but it says that the Lord is testing. That what if, what if a lot of the things that we're seeing in the churches is the Lord testing us? And what if a lot of, a lot of the, the movings of the Spirit as well that we see in some churches which are not walking in the fullness of truth is even the Lord testing us? Not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he that does the will of my Father who is in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, they know his name, Yahweh. Have we not prophesied in your name and in your name cast out devils, which you can only do by the Spirit of God? And in thy name done many wonderful works. Then then I profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me, workers of lawlessness. So what if the Father allows His Spirit to move through even a lawless person for a few reasons, but one of those reasons is to test us. Will you follow someone just because they did a pretty miracle? Or are you going to test them, test what they teach, hold it to the standard of the Word? All right. And see, these people, again, these people... They know him. And, we, and, and this is, a, yeah, one of the most scary verses in the whole world. So <clears throat> about this Kundalini spur, I just want to talk about a little bit more, um, which is a very prevalent thing in, in, in many of our churches. And, and really, we need to be able to discern and identify between it and between the Holy Spirit. When the disciples saw Yeshua walk on water, they were afraid, man. They, they thought, it's a ghost. <laughs> they weren't sure what was going on. 
And so it, it shows us that they, were, they had this thing, but they did not call out and say, oh, it is a de it's, it's, it's a demonic thing. They were unsure. But see, if we go out and we profess and we proclaim like the Pharisees did, that this is a demon, if it's indeed the Spirit of God, then we fall into danger. And so this is how we identify. Holy Spirit will always confess that Yeshua is Lord. Holy Spirit will always say and actually recognize His divinity, His divine who He is, Lordship. A demon can recognize the identity of Yeshua, that Yeshua, who Yeshua is, but they will never honor Him. Small difference, but very important. If you cast out a demon, sometimes they'll talk about Yeshua. Sometimes they'll recognize his identity. They will, they will say, but they'll never honor him. All right? The fruit of the Holy Spirit versus the fruit of the flesh. Galatians 5, 19, we read about both those, which we all know. Um, love, patience, kindness, etc. fruit of the Spirit. And, and then the fruit of the flesh is just the opposite of that. And, and really what I want to really tell you guys about this thing is that the fruit of the Holy Spirit is not a feeling, okay? It's not a, it's not just a, I don't feel lacquer about this. <laughs> um, it's not just a thing of how I feel about this because the disciples weren't sure when Yeshua was walking on water. The first reaction was, Ooh, you know? Um, and then a lot of times, man, God did weird things. Even through the Torah, all through the New Testament, He did weird miracles sometimes. I mean, changing water into wine, if, you know, that's, uh, right now we're so familiar with the story, but, you know, I think, you know, that was, it's kind of like a wow, that's, a, whoa, you know, that's kind of crazy. Walking on water, if, if someone now here was to go and walk in the swimming pool, we're going to be like, this is kind of weird. You know, but that's what Yeshua did. And so just because something looks weird to our flesh, we're not going to throw a judgment out of it too quickly. Right? We really want to test this thing with the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, if someone is, let's just say, um, for example, make an example of Sangomas, okay? Witch doctors, they pray for the sick, Okay, they, I want to tell you a quick testimony about that just to demonstrate this point. I have a friend, he comes from um, uh, 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 Namibia. Uh, yeah, Namibia. And he, he was a witch doctor. He, he was inaugurated as a witch doctor. His family is witch doctors. You got how, how, how that goes. And people were coming to them, their house and they were paying him. And, and he was this little kid. And, he, and they, he was apparently like, I don't know, whatever. You know, and... And what happened was he, people were coming and paying, and, and he was praying for things and do, doing whatever, and, and there was some, some results from that in people's lives. What happened was he got cancer as, as a young man. He couldn't um, do he couldn't heal himself. He couldn't, no one could help him. He ended up in hospital, and a missionary visited him in hospital with the father sent to him. And it was amazing, and, and, the, and the, the, the missionary proclaimed the gospel to him, and he repented in that hospital bed. On his deathbed, he had a week or two to live, and he had cancer in his stomach. He was eating through a tube. And, and um, he, he, right after he accepted the Messiah, he got healed. About, about two weeks later, he was able to eat normal food, and, he, and, and, and less than a month later, he was walking out of that hospital. It was a crazy thing. But one thing that happened is, obviously, his parents was like, you know, they, 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 them being witch doctors, they rejected him out of the family. 
And what happened, and the, the big reason for that as well, was all the people that he did his things on came back and they wanted their money back. Because a lot of the stuff that, that, they, that they were doing reversed. And a lot of the stuff went all worse and haywire. And even, even in, and, and we see that in which doctors just, you know, um, you go in for one thing, you come out with 10 other issues, right? Um, so anyway, that is a, just an example of the, 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 the actual true fruit that we need to test, not just observe, but go and test and see what is the true fruit. Just while we're on this, um, how am I doing on time? Okay. Okay. Um, just while we're on this, um, healings that just because a healing reverses, okay, doesn't mean that was, it was not the Holy Spirit for the, for who, who came and did it. Yeshua said to people, go and sin no more, lest something worse happens to you. That means that a he, something worse can happen to you, okay? So just because a healing reverses because someone doesn't repent and turn their life around, that does not mean that it was the Holy Spirit who did it in the first place, okay? But we will, there is a clear demonstration of bad fruit if it's not the Holy Spirit that you'll clearly be able to see if you taste it, okay? Kingdom, the third point of how to identify the kingdom of divide against itself cannot stand, of course, like Yeshua said. So Satan cannot cast out Satan. Satan will not work against his own kingdom. And so whenever the, you can see the enemy's kingdom being crushed, no matter what that guy is preaching with that, no matter what doctrine he's preaching with that, we need to take a step back and at least just realize that even if what he's teaching is not true, realize that it is the Holy Spirit who is setting someone free because God wants people free. And by faith, he moves. Okay. Right, cool. So uh, before I move on to the next section, I want to, I just, or maybe we can just do that and answer questions and answers after that. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. How much time do I have left? 20 minutes? Cool. Okay. Cool. So I want to, um, if you guys got any questions about this, I'm sure there is. Uh, please just save them for question and answers, which me and Zach's going to be doing in a little while. Okay. Um, cool. So I just want to kind of bring this thing back to our brother Judah, which, which Zach has been touching on and, um, and all that. And, and so I want to jump to Revelation 22 verse 13 and and where we read, I am the Allah from the top, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Now, some of you guys might be familiar with the Paleo Hebrew right here and, and, uh, and see the, and the sign for the olive is uh, that the head, power, which means power and authority. And we have the, the Tav, which is the cross sticks, which is the mark sign or the signature. It means mark sign or signature. Of course, the resemblance is, is quite amazing where, where, where we hear Yeshua, I am the Avlam Tav, the beginning and the end, the cross and this, this goat head, this lamb. Um, obviously, there's that resemblance. But what I want to be talking about is Ezekiel's, is Ezekiel's prophecy in relation to this. You all know, probably know Ezekiel's prophecy with the bones. And um, we see Ezekiel coming and he's, 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 the Spirit of God is upon him and he prophesies to these bones that are, that are, that are just there, there all out in the open. The bones came together, the flesh and sinews appeared upon the bones, but the Spirit doesn't enter. That's the first time that he prophesies, which happens. That's in Ezekiel 37 verse 5. Then God brought his army, and so, so we see that God brought his army and scattered bones, Israel, together from Egypt, and gave them the Torah at Mount Sinai. 
And we see, as we've kind of been talking about, where is this place on Mount Sinai where the Spirit of God, that dove, came but found no place to rest, is what happened there. Israel's bones, Israel, the identity of Israel's bones, which which can also represent the foundation or the truth, have been gathered, but there was no spirit within them. That's what Ezekiel is prophesying about, these bones coming together, no spirit. But the second time he prophesies in Ezekiel 37 verse 9, he called the spirit into the flesh, and, there, and, and we see this again, just going back to what we talked about yesterday at, at Pentecost or Shavuot, um, we see that second event where the Holy Spirit is poured out upon all flesh. And this is really what the second prophecy of Ezekiel, why Ezekiel really had to do this twice yet again, just like the dove that had to go out twice. Okay, Ezekiel 37 verse 11, Then he said to me, unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. The northern kingdom. Behold, they say, our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. Okay. So we see that this... So we see that these bones who... Who first the bones come together, no spirit. Second time he prophesies, the spirit comes and indwells these bones. The identity of these bones, Ezekiel makes it very clear. Again, two house, and he and he, and he says this is the house of Israel. <clears throat> so the house of Israel, the bones are gathered and are filled with the spirit. And of course, that regathering, that prophesied regathering, it also speaks about that. Ezekiel 37, we read on in verse 16. Moreover, moreover those son of man shall take one stick and write upon it for Judah and for the children of Israel, his companions, and then take another stick and write upon it for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, for, and for all the house of Israel, his companions, and join them together in one to another into one stick, and they shall become one in your hand. Okay, so he's saying, okay, now I want you to take two sticks, one right right upon the one stick, house of Israel, that northern kingdom that has been scattered, that those lost tribes, which God has just talked about, how he's gathering the bones and filling them with the spirit. And that house of Israel, those ten lost tribes, take that, write it on a stick, take another stick, and this stick represents Judah. The Jewish people, that modern identity of Judah, which we are seeing gathering, also coming together in Israel and, and so on. And... And then he says, and they shall be join them together in one stick or tree, another translation is tree, and they shall become one in your hand. Okay, so that's, as I said, house of Israel, house of Judah. Okay, cool. And so two sticks united, spirit and truth, bones regathered. And we see how this is, this is really, I want to submit to you guys that the house of, um, the house of Israel, okay, this house that has that, that, that Ezekiel prophesies the spirit to indwell in them and come upon them from the four winds. It's you guys sitting here who identifies as those people. And so I want to submit to you that this is why this message that we've been talking about this whole weekend is so incredibly important. Because it is by this, 
by, by the Spirit filling us up and indwelling within us, manifesting those fruits and the power and demonstration of the Spirit through our lives that will bring us together with our brother Judah. They will see what we have and they will see truly, truly, there is something different about this thing. There is something. Yahweh is upon you. Ezekiel 37, 21 and speak to them, thus said the Master, Yahweh, See, I am taking the children of Israel from among the nations, wherever they have gone, and shall gather them from all around, and I shall bring them into their land, and I shall make them one nation in the land, in the mountains of Israel, and one sovereign shall be sovereign over them all, and let them no longer be two nations, and let them no longer be divided into two reigns. In the way beginning, the first slides of yesterday, we talked about that division that came in way in the way beginning in the early church. And here the Father says, I'm going to put my spirit in them. I'm going to regather their bones. I'm going to give them that foundation. I'm going to give them that truth. I'm going to give them the fullness of spirit and truth. And I'm going to make them make their brother Judah jealous. And by that, the brother, our brother Judah is going to see, truly, truly, there's something about this thing. And this is one of the ways that the Father is going to unite these brothers. Paul talks about this as well, Romans 11. Accordingly, as it is written, God has given them the spirit of slumber. He's talking about uh, Judah. Eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear unto this day. 11, 11, 11. I, I say then, have they, the Jew, talking about Judah, stumbled that they should fall? Let it not be. But by their fall, deliverance has come to the nations to provoke them to jealousy. For I do not wish you to be ignorant of this secret, brothers, lest you be wise in your own conceit or estimation, that the hardening in part has come upon Israel until the completeness of the nations has come in. And of course, we know that those nations, the multitude, the scattered people, which even in, 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 with Abraham, we read how how where God says that they will be a multitude across the world, across the earth. And, and so really it's when the completeness of the nations has come in, then we see that, um, that the hardening, ha well, the hardening has come upon Israel until the completeness has come in. And that completeness is the fullness of the walk of Messiah. That's what it is. It's the fullness, that, 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 that completeness and the restoration of truth that is happening even in this, in this conference and in this time. And as well is that restoration of the power and demonstration of the Spirit. Okay. Cool. So Zach touched on this um, as well. The prodigal son where the, the lost son was, was, um, is out with the pigs and, and, he, and, he, comes, and he's, he's, he comes back to his, he's, he wants to come back home to his father's house. And his father slaughters this, um, young goat and has a feast for him. But the brother is jealous. The brother who's home is like, you know, Lord, he actually says in answering, he said to his father, see these many years I've been serving you and I have never transgressed a command of yours. But to me, you have never given a young goat so I could rejoice with my friends. It's interesting. It's Judah speaking here. Judah entrusted with the commandments of God keeping and preserving the commandments of God. And he said, and, they, and, and Judah will one day say, and, and I think Judah's already saying and think, scratching their head, we're, we're, Lord, we have been keeping your commandments. We have been preserving your Torah. You know, 
Why, do, why are you opening your arms to this house of Israel? And, but see, it is through this, this is again, it's through this, that these two sticks will come together. Zechariah 8, verse 23. Thus said the Lord of hosts, In those days it shall come to pass that ten men shall take hold of all languages of the nations, even shall take hold of the zitzit of him that is a Jew, saying, We will go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. We know that the zitzis represent the remembrance to remember the commandments of the Father. And so this is a picture of these ten men, which represents, of course, the ten tribes which form the house of Israel. And, and them um, coming and, and, and grabbing hold of their brother Judah and saying, well, you've got, tr- you've got some truth that we've been losing out on, you know. And learning from brother Judah, from, that, from those, rest- those generations of knowledge that have been preserved and, um, and, and coming into the knowledge of truth. And so, brothers and sisters, this is the thing that we need to understand is we need to learn, we need to really humble ourselves where we are today. We need to open ourselves to both in, in great discernment, be, be, be willing to learn from our brother Judah, but also in great discernment, be willing to learn from those who have been revealed a, a demonstration of the Spirit and how to walk in the Spirit so we can really get it, be empowered by that as well so that we can walk in the fullness of Spirit and truth so that we can not, to not only provoke the world to jealousy of our Messiah and King, but also our brother Judah, so we can walk in the fullness of him, uh, in the fullness of Messiah. <laughs> All right. And that is it. All right. Thank you so much.